Hi, this is Mark Lowry, and you're on Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. There's so much badgering and bickering and back and forth, vitriol between people in high places. We only focus on Jesus, who taught us how to love one another. That's the message I think we're trying to get across. His relationship with Jesus is the thing that's so forefront in everything that he does, despite the fact that he's one of the best guitar players in the world, literally. That's pretty much been agreed upon. Thank you, Mr. Mark Lowry, for the introduction. I love Mark Lowry. He's an amazing comedian. He's an incredible singer. And he's a downright great guy. You can hear my conversation with Mark at onfaithsedge.com slash 92. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 92, where he gives a very hilarious and revealing, very transparent conversation. Again, that's onfaithsedge.com slash 92. Well, hello. Welcome to the 128th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I am beyond excited to bring you today's conversation with guitar legend Phil Kage and his partner in a brand new album project, one of the most respected names in Christian music, Rex Paul. Phil and Rex have teamed up for an amazing new album, Illumination, that features 11 songs, including new versions of four of Phil Kage's classics as well as five originals from the two. This album has a fresh 80s rock throwback feel, energetic and inspiring. I love this new project by Phil Kage and Rex Paul. Phil Kage is a legend in not only the Christian scene, but throughout all of music for being one of the greatest guitar players ever. He has seven Dove Awards and a Grammy nomination. Rex Paul has released four albums as a solo artist, and has contributed to more than 3,000 recordings on other artists' projects. Today, Phil Rex and I talk about how their longtime relationship brought about Illumination, the important messages of Christian music, the very different paths Phil and Rex took that led to Christ, and Phil's impact on Rex's life and career. And in a bonus conversation at the very end of the show, I mean the very end of the show, we talk about how Phil feels about being called one of the best guitar players in the world, and Phil and Rex talk about Christian artists to watch for. How long have you guys known each other? I think about 15 years. What took so long for you to do a, a, a formal project together? For 15 years, I played on a, a number of his songs, uh, one, uh, one of his projects. And then uh, we just started to hang out, have lunch together and talk about the Lord and talk about our faith, talk about our music, and get together and play guitars. I was doing a few podcasts back in um, between 2006 and 2008, and he was a guest on one of my podcasts, and I featured his music, and we played a bit on the show. Mm -hmm. And then out of that came uh, a growing uh, friendship. And uh, and so, you know, uh, I played on a song of his called Maybe Tomorrow. And, and out of that came uh, an interest in collaborating together. Yeah, it was uh, a dream to have Phil play on my project, and actually projects. And that particular song was um, just a, 
uh, I don't know, it was a heartfelt song and, and it was, it came together and we had, we had a good time. And actually there was a song that Phil and I, so, so we began obviously collaborating and, and playing together. Um, Phil did a record all at once, uh, not too many mm-hmm. years ago. And so our friendship and playing, and of course he played on my stuff and, and I, you know, we'd hung out and kind of riffed and, and just, uh, you know, that's just a dream kind of a dream scenario for me, just, you know, learning it and, and then having to play my project. But then we, we tried to write together and, and we, we found a way to, to do really creative stuff. And so we wrote a song called, I love the way you love me for that record. The writing happened so naturally, so fast. The sound was so young and beautiful and poppy mm-hmm. sounding that it just really kind of blossomed. And so for, I think from that point, we go, wow, this, this, is, this is pretty cool. Let's kind of find a way to, to do something, you know, do a project together. And I think initially we had begun to maybe think about uh, produce Phil's record, you know, uh, his next record and maybe, uh, you know, work that direction. Then we began kind of throwing ideas around and Phil pulled out a, a recording of a song, or actually just a chorus, about 20 seconds of a chorus that he wrote in 1971, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I remember he said, uh, we were talking about ideas, and, and it was a reel-to-reel that he captured, you know, to make sure after the tape it kind of got twisted, and then, you know, that's all he had of it, because it, I think the tape itself kind of self-destructed, so he got a copy of it, and he played it to me, and he said, can you do anything with that, you know? And oh my goodness, it was an acoustic progression. And of course, Phil had the chorus, I believe. And it was just right in my wheelhouse. It was, it was, it was like Jesus music translated into progressive rock, you know, in my wheelhouse of the 2000. Um, we did that track and wrote, you know, Phil came up with verses and melodies. And, uh, and just from there, we got really excited. And then from that point forward, it was just progressively a better experience every time we got together to create and write. Included in that process, we started to consider to redo some of the Keggy classics, uh, which we did on this record. We did Time, Let Everything Else Go, uh, Spend My Life With You. And there's actually a song that we did that was a, a holdover from All at Once that uh, Phil had some tracks to that I kind of reconstructed and just came out so fun, so fresh. Before we knew it, we had 11 songs. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, every time we got together, I mean, there was there was quick progress. You know, and um, mm-hmm. say for instance, um, I'll cite some songs from the Illumination album that are fresh, really fresh and new. That would be "Don't Hold Back," "Nothing Can Separate Us," "Glorify Your Name," and I believe the other one would be uh, "Calling Us Home." Rex had he had pretty much the foundation built to those songs. He had the progressions. He had. The instruments already recorded, and he brought them over to my place. We sat down, we wrote verses to it, because he had the choruses done. And I would come up with my way of singing those verses as we wrote down the words. And and we we would dig into scripture, books of inspiration, maybe some poetry, or just, Mm -hmm. just, you know, we really wanted something that was literally glorifying the Lord, because we're older guys, you know. Especially me, I'm 68, and, and, and Rex is still in his early 50s. So, but we're older fellows, you know. And uh, yeah. I remember the Jesus movement. I remember how it felt to proclaim the gospel with its simplicity and uh, its directness. 
we're we're not ashamed of the name. You know, the name of Jesus is precious to them. Mm-hmm. So that that's what happened. In fact, on the, the old remake of Time, which is a 1976 recording initially that I had done back in the day, I wanted to bring the name of Jesus into that song because, you know, why not? It's the name above all names. That's how it really progressed. And then, you know, we did the vocals. Uh, we sang well together. He produced my vocals. Uh, and I thought, you know, he gave me such freedom and good direction and made me feel, you know, at ease and comfortable and and youthful. You know, I mean, he just said, man, you can do it. Go for it. You know, and so mm-hmm. I did. I got on my tiptoes and went for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rex, you, you called Illumination very possibly the best music of your career. What about this project do you feel upped your game? Both Phil and I are, we both have home studios and we're, we're very busy constantly recording and, and playing on other projects as well. I've, that was, that's been my job is, you know, I have a studio here at home and I've done 3,500 recordings and worked with tons of people and I think we just came at it at a point where uh, the potential for what we could record was, was really high. And then the project itself, because it was progressive rock, because I think um, the ease at which these tracks came together and, you know, I would bring things to Phil and really, you know, he would, we would, we would sing in the studio and we would do our guitar solos. Everything we tried worked like right off the bat. So we were getting a lot of work done very quickly the harmonic content of, of, of the stuff that we wrote uh, is something that, that I've wanted to hear from Phil for a long time. Uh, just kind of, you know, a rocky progressive uh, process, you know, Phil, he's still and just, you know, his voice, he's got this really incredible, he does these yells. If you ever hear a uh, Salvation Army band and some of the notes that he hits and then also some of these other songs, you know, he's, that's that's still there and, and pure. And so when we got in the studio, it was just a matter of, of opening the floodgates and letting that out. And interestingly, the way we would do vocals is um, we would do a verse. We would do four or five passes of that particular verse. And then I would just pick, pick the best bits and put that together. And, uh, and then what we would do is go back and maybe sing it with the best bits learned and get these performances that were just, you know, fun and, and, and happen very naturally. Um, and so it just on all levels on my guitar playing, uh, and I think Phil's guitar playing too, he's very good at finding a voice that, that is, is fresh and different than like if you have a collaboration with two players. Um, and so when we would play, you, you can't tell us apart. My wife was just telling me, she said, there's only one solo. I can't tell who plays what. <laughs> on your record but she's able she's able to pick out which player plays what you know and um and so that was the beauty of that as well is that we complemented we kind of uh, have a conversation rather than a competition Uh, and it just happened naturally you know it just happened naturally and also i think phil and i both have an aesthetic for really beautiful uplifting and then there was a powerful ethic behind it or or not ethic but an energy you know a, a punch that just kind of uh, made itself known throughout the whole project. And I, I was just, when we were doing these mixes, I was just so thrilled, you know, Phil, Phil got the, the bad ears. So he would say, Hey man, you know, there's your, your PDB down on this one note. And what happened here? And, 
by golly, man, he was right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'd go, okay, man, I've got to check it. Tell me where. And he would show me where. And so we would fix these things. And, uh, and then we had an incredible mastering engineer, Vince Brandy, uh, that just really took sonically, just took it up a notch, too, that we were just so thrilled with the way it sounds. So, Phil, you're a guitar legend. Rex, you're no slouch on the guitar either. Listening to this project, that's obvious. How did you guys feel playing together? I know you talked a little bit about it before, but was there a like was there a sense of all just just killing it together? We just had a lot of space for each other. With the songs that Rex brought to me, I just followed his direction and lead about that. And now when it came to the old songs, like then I like to do let everything else go time full circle. He knew that those were my pieces, so he pretty much let me take the lead, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's what happened. He was so generous with letting me play on the songs that were his songs so that we both actually traded off leads back and forth. In fact, uh, Rex is also playing back and forth with me on time. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And also let everything else go. You do that long legato uh, sustaining solo, recalling the actual chorus melody of your guitar lead there. In the middle of the yeah, song. and that was a gracious offer from Phil. Phil said, "Hey, Rick, why don't you play a solo here?" So yeah, that was that was yeah. I was like, "Oh man, yeah. it's on your yeah. your song." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of me going into the vocal there, I said, "No, let's 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 play that play that instrumentally with your guitar." And so it was fun. You know, there was no competition. Yeah. It was just uh, we were both generous. Like I said, I've been collaborating a lot lately with other people, Jeff Johnson, the guys from the Bucket mm-hmm. List, Tony Levin. Jerry Murata, you know, so I feel quite a, I feel quite comfortable with other musicians. I, uh, mm-hmm. I've been at this a long, long time and mm. I don't have to you know, jump up on a pedestal and say, Hey, notice mm. me. You know, I don't need that. I, I've already, I've already done, I've already said what I love, what I've always longed to say musically in my life. Mm. And so this is, the album is more like fellowship to me than it is trying to prove something. We actually didn't go out. We didn't set out to try to prove anything. We were just having fellowship and making music at the same time. And so there you have it. Well, this is a, Illumination is a fun, forceful rock album. I don't want to make any bones about it. This is a rock project. And I personally love this, love this project. So let's talk about the music on Illumination. What can fans of both Phil and Rex expect from, from this project? Number one, I think you can expect really good guitar playing and not just technically, but emotionally. There's really emotive moments and tones I think are really, really rich. And then vocally, I think surprisingly, it will really surprise a bunch of people that um, there's a lot of layered background vocals and Phil's vocal Mm -hmm. is, is, is really, really good. I kind of have a character with my voice that I kind of, when I would bring songs to Phil, I kind of, you know, wrote some courses that I, I'm one of those guys that I have to, I have to have a music piece that fits my voice. I can't just sing anything, you know, I have to have something that sounds good. And then also, I think because of the melodic study that I've done and the artists that I really like, yes, and Boston and Eric Johnson and I mean, there's a lot of artists that, that feed into that level 42, Tears for Fears, Four of the classic rock people, that aesthetic 
carried over into that too. So I think definitely guitar, definitely the vocals. And then the production is a really tight progressive rock band hitting on all cylinders is, is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's a good description, I would say. Rex, you know, in the 80s was like, you know, Mr. Sponge years. He was like taking in all these influences and it, and it remained with him. A lot of my influences go back very far to the 60s, you know, even as far as the late 50s, you know. I think the combination of his influences and my influences really created a real celebratory type of recording project. And that's that's really, it's fun to listen to. In fact, uh, sometimes with each listening of the album, I hear things I hadn't heard before. That tricky fellow, that Rex. That Rex (laughs) He's something else. How How he did that. How do you do that? He did it, you know, and um, he's quite precise. Some people are saying, well, I don't know who the drummer is, but he's awesome. I go, well, that's right. He's also the drummer, you know, and the drummer is a backbone. You know, he also plays great bass. And, and so he was the band. It was probably the easiest album I've ever made because he did all the grunt work. He did all the heavy lifting for sure. You mentioned calling us home, a a real a real eighties kick to it, a real eighties flair to mm-hmm. it. I believe, of course, some of these are are, are Phil's originals. I believe has a. Mm-hmm. I like that distinct late Beatles sound of I believe mm-hmm. the yeah. the mm-hmm. pop feel of full circle. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let everything mm-hmm. else go is beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and that unmistakable power ballad solo, that soulful mm-hmm. power ballad at the end is just. Just perfect. Fans of fans of rock and roll are going to really like Illumination. What's your favorite pieces off this? Songs that I like to listen to are Don't Hold Back and Nothing Can Separate. Uh, also, uh, Calling Us Home is special, too. I also like uh, Rex's song about the bus. You never know who you'll meet on a bus. You know, oh. I think yeah. <laughs> that's just a very cool story song. Uh, yeah. It's a very, very descriptive song great thing about the album is it, it just it just feels really good from the first track to the end it does. Uh, mm-hmm. and like Rex mentioned the last track on the song is called Day of the Lord which was a song I had written with a Brian Clark for uh, for the All at Once album but mm-hmm. uh, my producer that I worked with at the time uh, we weren't seeing eye to eye about the arrangement about that particular song so I said uh, we'll just forget that one you know, we've got lots of songs to choose from. So we just put that on the back burner. And then when I presented it to Rex, he goes, hmm, I know what to do with this one. And he sure <laughs> did. I mean, it, it's just, a, it's a, it's really fun the way that song closes the album. And it's, a, it's also, it, it dovetails with the opening track to the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about loving our neighbor and, you know, serving our fellow man and caring for mm-hmm. other people which I think is, a, is, is good bookends to the project. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Russ? What about your favorite song? Yeah, I, I agree with you about uh, Don't Hold Back and uh, Nothing Can Separate Us. I am one of those people that have a story about one of the filthy songs affecting me. So when I hear Let Everything Else Go, it, honestly, it was when we first started that, I was kind of a little scared, a little trepidatious because I remember when the Holy Spirit fell. I remember when, you know, those images of the verse appear. I remember being affected by, you know, an encounter with divine God, you know, and feeling that moment. 
And so I kind of was like going, man, if, if that doesn't happen again, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, if that doesn't experience, but it, indeed it does. In fact, I, I listened to that and, and you know, tears still flow. And it's happy tears. It's, it's a warmth. It's an acceptance. It's a, you know, when it says the day of the Lord, the last song on the record, that's what really the day of the Lord means, which means the redemption of man, the love of man has to having for one another, the restoration of all things, the making of all things right in our relationships. That's why, to me, that's the energy that pours forth. I mean, it's it's not about judgment; it's about redemption. You know, that's that's the message. Who who we feel our God is, and then the music itself as an instrument of creativity. We just borrow it, you know. It's, it's amazing that, that we're given the stewardship of this language that's universal and we get a chance to create this, this awesome amalgam of all of our influences. So I would agree with Phil. I, I, I think those two, the one we wrote and then the classic stuff. Interestingly enough, Full Circle was the first remake we did. That one was where I heard, you know, the acoustic guitar kind of Boston-y intro uh, real kind of syncopated uh, structure. You know, the chord changes are so creative. It's a lot of classical. You know, when you listen to the Beatles, you, you realize they didn't have musical training, but they used all of these techniques, the alien, you know, scale, the Lydian trans, you know, all these things that were happening just out of their influences. And that's what happens when I hear, you know, Phil's music. I hear all these really cool transitions and influences, and then we end back up on the chord progression and it's inspirational. And so, uh, and then the other thing is I got a chance to learn all those songs. So, <laughs> you know, because I was recording them, I had to learn them, you know. You both mentioned Don't Hold Back. So let's just take a minute and listen to a sample of Don't Hold Back off Illumination. I would really love to see people discover Phil who've never heard him or rediscover him again. Um, I'd love to see, you know, the proliferation of all the music he's done throughout. He's got his Phil Keggy's garage website. I'd love to see that just become a, a conduit. I'm grateful that there are folks who believe in this project. And as a result of believing in the project, they actually believe in us brothers, you know, as musicians and as brothers. One of the things I'm, I, I center upon my focus is that Jesus really does bring us together. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, there's a verse in, I believe in Ephesians that talks about how because of Christ, the, the wall that divides people is brought down. And, uh, there's so much, uh, badgering and bickering and back and forth vitriol between people in high places as well as mm. in the neighborhood, you know. <laughs> uh, if we only focus on Jesus who taught us how to love one another, that's that's 
that's the message I think we're trying to get across with this project, mm-hmm. that we really could focus on Jesus, who is the author and giver of life, and also the true example of love, of, you know, brotherly love, and the kind of love that really is sacrificial and uh, non-judgmental. You know, that, that that's the thing. That's the key to happiness. That's the key to unity. That's the key to, you know, I, I believe when you walk with Jesus, he, he shows you through the power of the Holy Spirit how to treat one another, and that's important mm-hmm. to us. So, Phil, how did you how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Well, I believed in God uh, since I could remember because of my mother's influence. She was um, a very godly woman, uh, Irish Catholic lady, and took me to church and taught me how to pray, gave me a, a sense of reverence for God. I was just a normal kid. I got into guitar, and I, I got into bands, and and then she died in a car accident when I was 18, and my oldest sister had become a new believer, uh, a born-again believer. Uh, she was raised as well, you know, to look, to know God and to walk with God and to pray to God and to believe in Him. But uh, just like Nicodemus, you know, he, he studied the scriptures, and, and he walked with God, but he also needed a deeper experience, and uh, that's that's what happened to me. She helped me find that deeper experience of walking with Jesus and getting to know him more personally. And that's where it began, and that's when I began to change the way I began to write songs and mm-hmm. present the gospel to my friends who were in the audience. So you really you, mm-hmm. you really came to you really came to faith in Jesus Christ as a personal relationship, 18, 19, is that about right? I was 18, almost going to be 19. How about you, Rex? I always had a sense that, like Phil, that I believed in God. Uh, when I was eight years old, I, I heard a, an evangelist speak about the peace of God and Jesus, you know, and Jesus sacrificed for me and his pursuit of me. So at eight years old, I said, I want that. I didn't necessarily understand the detail, but my heart just said, I need to, I need to do that. I want that. So I was baptized at a little creek in a central Texas town, going to high school and adolescence. And there was this swing back and forth with the, you know, the appetites, but the Lord really showed me as he grew me, even, I, I, you know, he, he never let me go. It was not my grip of him. It was his grip of me that I, I can rely on. It was his salvation. I, I, didn't have, I couldn't save myself. It was his grip of me. And every desire of my heart, every appetite even, had a deeper, had a deeper source. You know, so hunger and thirst. And even those parables that Jesus talked about, he was lovingly telling us, you have a God-shaped hole, and I want to satisfy that you know, go deeper with those, with those desires. And so that's what he did in my heart as, as I went to a deeper place to where he was the ultimate fulfillment of, of any of those desires. And by doing that, uh, it, it completely revaluated, changed, transvaluated everything in my life. So all of a sudden, you know, the meek became beautiful. All of a sudden, you know, the least became the greatest and, and it really makes sense to me of the upside down kingdom, the upside down paradigm that, you know, the least shall be greatest. If you want to gain your life, you must lose it. 
because that sacrificial love is truly where your heart is just lit on fire and your true satisfaction is satisfied. And so, and living there is also the way that I think he, he lets foolish things start to drop away because my desire is for something more beautiful. And mm-hmm. so it's his, it's his grip of me. It's just his grip of me, not my grip of him. And as he holds me, you know, he, he draws me into his heart, you know. I love how you say that, Rex. It's his grip of me, not my grip of him that holds you there. Because many mm-hmm. times, many times in our life, we, we lose grip of God. Uh, you, you became mm-hmm. a Christian at, at a very young age then. Uh, it, did you have a time in, in your adult age that you kind of drew the line in the sand and you said, you know what? I, I know I, I was baptized in the creek at eight years old, but by golly, mm-hmm. right now at this moment, I, I do believe this stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, did, mm-hmm. did you have an adult moment where you planted your flag and you said, yeah. After I was baptized, you know, I was a good chameleon. I would be the good, obedient son and, you know, make good grades. But then I would go and I had a a really rebellious, carnal, carnal lifestyle. I mean, things I wish I wouldn't have done, including drugs, including, you know, not not hard drugs, but but enough to to be dangerous, you know, promiscuity and, and, you know, kind of just following the culture and, and the idolatry. But at 19... I, something happened at, to me at 19 where um, I was in college. It's first year of college and the Lord, I was, I was living foolishly and there was just a night I woke up in bed and it was just quit being foolish, you know, and that, that at 19, it was, it was, uh, you know, now it's time, it's time to let the, the childish things go. Thought like a child. Now I need to think like a child of God, a, a man of God. And it just, he brought it to me in his sovereignty and his, in his incredible, merciful grace. He invaded my heart. And from not the age of 19, I did music and ministry and had not slowed down. And it's really his work in me. Like it says in the scriptures, you know, the power of God working through me, not myself, but the power of God working through me, which aligns with all of your skills, your giftings, your passions, your calling. He, he will align that. And he just blessed me with that when I was 19 years old. Phil, have you ever had a time where you questioned your faith or maybe even the existence of God? No, I can say I haven't because uh, we went through, my wife and I went through some hard times in the early mid seventies when we lost babies. They're prematurely born uh, mm. at five and a half months. And then another time at six and a half months. And then a miscarriage a year later, it brought us to our knees. It made us, you know, brought us to tears. It brought us some heartache and some struggle there. What happened was we 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 just kind of felt that stuff like this happens to people. People go through heartache, heartache and hardship. We didn't find any place to uh, point the finger and blame God for it. I don't know why, but we didn't. You know, mm-hmm. I think we just had to really search out what this meant for us. And it actually ultimately drew us closer together. And and uh, eventually we did have our kids. You know, we have three beautifully grown, beautiful and grown children today. Yesterday we celebrated our 46th anniversary. Wow. So, Congratulations. You know, and, I, I, and, I, and I credit my our faith in Jesus for the longevity of our marriage because you know, like we always felt that scripture was special to us and, and, he, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we, we yeah. felt, 
we saw that that was really true in our lives. And my faith in man has waned off and on, but not not the Lord himself, because he is true. I can't ever think of a time he ever let me down. I don't feel I deserve what he's given me. And I, I don't feel like, I just, I, I feel like I don't want to complain. Uh, I have a tendency in my, in my humanness to sometimes grumble about the workload sometimes of travel and things like that. But then, but then I think of what other people go through. Uh, I, uh, I can't, there's no place to complain. And so I won't. And, um, be, I just want to be grateful carry on that way and love this good woman that the Lord has given me and together we walk in faith together and uh, I think our kids see it and I think that's been a good thing. As Christian men who have kind of been there, done that, been in the Christian industry for a long time, Christian music industry and had your up and ups and downs and trials and tribulations, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? The most effective thing that I've even preached to my own heart is something that Tim Keller said, because there are people that have suffered uh, Mm -hmm. just egregious, egregious things, enough to make them shake their fist at God and maybe even completely ditch God. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that that is true is, is, would it make a difference if you knew that God himself, played by his own rules, became a man? and endured and suffered everything that we would ever endure and suffer in temptation and sin, indeed, even take our punishment so that we could be made righteous and then raise again to give us the hope. And then he says that in our suffering, he will be with us. He will be with us. And it's hard right now. And ultimately he will redeem. He will make it right because every one of us are going to see Jesus in 70 years or 80 years, every person on the earth. That's when Jesus is coming back for that person because we're going to expire. And if that's true, knowing that he's with you, does that make a difference? Will that make a difference? And if if that ignites your heart just a little bit, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Pursue that. Because I believe that's the channel that God will reveal himself, his love to you. And as as horrible as you may have been hurt, and I I, I have no idea. I, I meet people all the time. But my, my encouragement would be hold on to the love of God because he will redeem. He will ultimately make all things right. And even in your life now, you have to steward your suffering just like you steward your blessing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like don't waste a good crisis. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds trite, but man, just collapse on the cross and you will find rest for your soul. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you will. I don't think we can see anything more than that. Guys, I am so excited about this Project Illumination, the partnership between Phil Kagi and Rex Paul. This album has rock and roll, everything from classic rock to prog rock. Uh, fans of Rex Paul and Phil Kagi are going to love this project. Uh, I love this project. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. You're welcome, Joe. Thanks, buddy. You can follow Phil at philkagey.com. He also has a Facebook and Twitter account. You can follow Rex at rexmusic.us. These links, as well as all the other links, can be found on today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 128. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 128. I highly recommend that you visit amazon.com and pick up Illumination. You will love this album.
And I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertained you, encouraged you, informed you, or brought value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider using any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com? We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Thank you so much to Phil Kagey and Rex Paul for joining me today. And thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. I think Rex was very articulate. <laughs> well, I tell you, I do want to say one thing. There is something that has inspired me too. Is you know, the Jesus movement was where a lot of the truth about Jesus was given to me, and and you know, I feel was a big part of that. And Love Broke Through actually was the record that opened me, opened the door to you know, hearing somebody sing, you know, I love you, Lord, with such great music and with heartfelt meaning. Phil's life in the Jesus movement and also his faith has been so consistently faithful. And so for somebody like me who needed a mentor like that to have, you know, his testimony really bolsters everything about my faith. And so just to be able to have Phil be uh, and everybody that knows him, I think that has ever known him or ever heard his music would testify. He's faithful. He is authentic. He's true. You know, his, his relationship with Jesus is the thing that's so forefront in everything that he does, despite the fact that he's one of the best guitar players in the world, literally. That's pretty much been agreed upon. Phil, do you mind if I go there about the best guitar player in the world? I didn't mind that. I, I, I never thought of myself as any, anything uh, too special. I think what happens that special is what God does. Mm. He does in the heart of the listener. Something happens. And music is a powerful tool. It's a, it's a, it's, mm. it's a mysterious, wonderful thing that happens. I, I believe it's a language. It's, a, it's an interesting language of love. Uh, so it's it's spiritual to me, and I think that's what it is. Um, a song like "Spend My Life with You." Uh, Jason Truby had told me Jason played uh, with P.O.D. He said that song really grabbed him in his life at one point and helped him in his faith. And I, what in the world is it? It's not the guitar playing. I mean, it, it's something else. It's something spiritual. So uh, there you have it. I think it's the gift of music. Mm. And uh, when God puts his hand on something, it, it becomes special. It, it can actually feed a soul. You guys, are, you guys are both gifted musicians that have been in the music business for, for a long time. What, what new artists do you see up and coming that you think, wow, this girl, this guy, this group, they're really about to make a splash. Mm. Who do you see coming up? Scott Mulville is doing something amazing. The bass player guy, a singer, yeah. you know, just fresh. And him, yeah. 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 He's fresh and creative. I'm, I'm hearing some amazing, Oh gosh. Uh, is it, is it the Mancuso kid? That's the, the guy, kid from Italy. That's a guitar player. I oh. think. Yeah. Mateo, Mateo Mancuso. Yeah. 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 He's pretty remarkable. Yeah. 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 There's, um, there's a lot of people. 
And then there are people yeah. who aren't flashy who are just, you know, just gifted and blessed. And, Heartfelt. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Sherry Cagey's got some great music, too, that's just, you know, her journey, what her latest stuff. You were talking about that, too. I just feel kind of triggered me to listen to some stuff. And Sherry's been on my show a couple of times. I like her a lot, man. She's, yeah, her worship yeah. heart. Oh, you my know? gosh. Just, yes. Yeah. yeah. Andrew yeah. Peterson is another one that I Oof, respect. Yeah. And, oh, my. Yeah. Uh, of course, he's, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's all broken <laughs> up. He's all right. broken up. 